Welcome to Battle City Broads, our Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast, where we discuss every single episode of Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monsters, as well as plenty of other things along the way. My name is Jenny. And my name is Ellie. And today we have another episode, um, not quite Battle City yet, definitely Battle City adjacent, uh, but the tournament's not quite kicking into gear. But before we, before we get into that and yet again work towards earning our namesake... Have you seen, read, played anything good recently, Ellie? Want to do some media recommendations? Um, yeah, I think I have something. Uh, I recently watched... We, we, did we talk... We didn't talk about this, because the last time we recorded, we didn't do media recommendations, right? Okay. Nope. So then I didn't talk about yet about having recently watched con- an iconic horror movie that I hadn't seen before, uh, which is The Thing... From the 80s. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. A remake of the 50s movie, The Thing from Another World. But if you have not heard of The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing, the premise is that the researchers um, stuck in an Antarctic research station discover that there is a bizarre alien creature which landed in kind of a saucer and it can adapt itself and take over their bodies and pretend to be them and it can transform into all sorts of freaky organic monsters and matter and they're just stuck there in the arctic and they have to try to figure out how to possibly combat this freaky alien creature but i had a blast with this movie it's very heavy on Mm -hmm. like weird gore and creature effects it if you are easily grossed out by like weird alien freaky creatures this might not be the one for you unless you like being scared like to me (laughs) i'm a bit weird about horror movies i don't like to be scared but i like horror movies a lot of the more like recent horror movies they really don't do it for me like modern horror because yeah they focus so much on like building the tension and making you feel scared and tense Whereas what I like in horror is I I kind of like, you know, weird, interesting concepts and watching characters in a scary situation and like interesting effects, which that's what I was building up to. Sorry, that was a sidebar. So I like a lot of older horror movies because of that. But the effects Mm -hmm. work. If you like practical special effects, the effects work in The Thing 1982 is phenomenal. It is some of the most insane I literally cannot comprehend that this was done without CGI, purely animatronics and practical effects because it looks so incredible. It's like, and it's super, it's incredibly gross, Mm -hmm. but you almost aren't grossed out because you're so focused on like, how are they doing that? (laughs) Yeah, it's so good. I love that movie. But yeah, I think it's, it's honestly, it's just kind of a blast of a movie. If you just want to watch some dudes get killed in the Arctic. I do want to watch that. And I would say that it's a good, like... For people who are easily scared by horror movies, for me, I think it's a good, like, mid-tier one if you're trying to ramp yourself up Mm -hmm. into scarier movies. Because there's a lot of weird gore, but there's not a lot of jump scares or sort of artificial tension building, if that makes sense. Yeah, weird comparison, but it's kind of similar to how I would rank. It's a very different type of movie, but it's kind of how I would rank Get Out, the more recent movie, in terms of, like, on board that somebody who's really sensitive shouldn't watch it. But if you're, like, if you want a really good movie, but there's, like, one or two things you're uncomfortable with, as long as you can handle these one or two things, you'll have a blast with this. And it's a really good movie, so it's worth it. Yeah, I should see Get Out at some point. I still, I know I, I keep meaning to. 
Um, I have a recommendation, and it's for a book that I actually bought while we were hanging out together in the Twin Cities when you came to visit me. I finished. I finally finished Joe Walton's Lent. Yes. Yeah. I read this and I recommended it to Jenny. So. Yeah. So in the way, this is a double. Yes. This is a double recommendation, but it's excellent. It's really hard because, like, the very surface thing I could say about the book is, what if Groundhog's Day, but it's 15th century Florence, and it's Savonarola, who's, like, this really infamous preacher from that era who'd started, like, the bonfire of vanities. But there's a lot more going on to that. I think it's good for everybody. I will say I, in particular, love this book because when I was in school, I studied history and I loved Renaissance Italy. I felt, like, so smug reading it because I was like, oh, I know who they're talking about. Oh, I know this. I know this. Um, but even if you did, you had no idea, it's an incredibly well-written book. Her style is so good. Her st- her writing style, especially her conversation writing style, which is usually the thing that turns me off. There are authors who I like, really love their writing generally, but the way they write conversations, both in terms of like syntax and in terms of tone or just general writing style, can like throw me off. And she's really good. It's just an excellent book. Uh, definitely, I would say like a definite yes if you're a history nerd. You don't need to be a history nerd to enjoy it and really like it. Though do be prepared for some history nerdness. Yeah. But I would recommend it to anybody. But if you're yeah at all interested in that era of history, Seven Rolls is a very interesting figure because I think um, like if you watched like the Borgias or you know anything about Renaissance Italy, I think he's a he's a figure that gets like blown into like somebody who's larger than life in many ways he was. And this is a very human betrayal of him, human yeah. betrayal of him that I think is like very mm-hmm. fascinating. So yeah, I think Joe Walton is really good at coming up with very strange and interesting concepts. I just her books are weird and like in a really interesting way. Yeah. For example, apparently her first sci-fi novel. I haven't read this, but it's called Farthing, and it's a cozy mystery story. But set in an alternate history version of nineteen fifty of the nineteen fifties, in which the Allies made peace with Nazi Germany and like never actually destroyed Hitler, and like that political background is mm. part of the background of the book, but it's actually just about people like solving a small murder mystery on their English country estate. Oh, I fucking yeah. love that, though. When there's just, like, weird things, it's, like, weird butterfly effect shit randomness. That's so fascinating. And then the other book of hers that I have read is called The Just City. And the concept is that the Greek gods are real and are all powerful. And they decide to do basically a social experiment where they take a bunch of really intelligent people from history, like, via time travel. And they basically put them in a pocket dimension and task them with creating a brand new society which is exactly modeled after how Plato described the ideal society in Plato's Republic and then it's about like all the individual people who come to be the teachers and the children and the like new generation in that society and then how that gets fucked over by the culture clashes between people who are from different earth time periods and also people who just people who have different opinions it's really interesting and weird and it's like that is such a weird concept. That's so cool. And at the same time, all of the characters, like, still feel really real and very, like, smart, so. Yeah, so general Joe Walton recommendation, but if, I think Lent is one of her most recent ones, and it's, like, a lot of hers are part of series and, like, general world mm-hmm. stuff. 
this is a good single one and like it's made me go like okay yeah i'm gonna pick up more joe walton stuff but if it's not for you that's fine but i would definitely recommend it for anybody but especially history dorks the other one that i want to read that i haven't read yet is tooth and claw and the concept is that it's a jane austen style romance comedy of manners except that all of the characters are dragons who live in this like fancy dragon society (laughs) i've actually read that one it's so fucking good. I cannot even explain it. Uh, okay, all right. We've got to we've got to get to the episode and stop talking about like semi-obscure sci-fi fantasy authors. <laughs> but <laughs> true. Yeah, I do feel like Joe Walton is probably like not something that I would recommend to a lot of like the mainstream audience. I think it takes a certain. But if you hear our description and think that sounds good, then it's it's really good. And I know a lot of very normal normies listen to this podcast so it might not be for everyone (laughs) just kidding love you weirdos anyway speaking of that uh, i I feel like sometimes i have clever segues but i don't have any today yeah let's do it let's do it today's episode let's start talking about something that's like a lot stupider and less literary than joe walton's novels but we still like it and it does have dragons in it also (laughs) there are dragons no play-doh allowed i mean technically sorry Shut up! No! Timaeus and Critias! We won't get into that. When we get to the Doma arc. Fuck you and your forms. Anyway, keep going. This is episode 55. Um, The dub is titled Stalked by the Rare Hunters. And the sub is titled Ghouls Attacks. Red Eyes Black Dragon Targeted. It aired for the first time in Japan, May 8th, 2001. And for the first time in the United States, December 14th, 2002. So the episode starts, um, and it is the gang. Yugi, Joey, Tristan, and Taya. They're up, they're just hanging out at school, um, and they're talking about the Battle City Tournament. Uh, and Joey is rightfully pretty pissed because, as we saw last episode, a lot of people, Mako Tsunami, some new guy named Esperoba, Weevil, and Rex, and obviously um, Yugi and Mai as well, they seem to get some sort of invitation to the tournament, and Joey didn't get one at all. <laughs> So, presumably, he's not invited to the tournament generally, though they're not really sure how the tournament's going to work. So, Joey's, of course, sort of ranting and raving and saying, like, hey, I was the runner-up at Duel's Kingdom, this is so unfair. Which, I mean, he actually has a point, but Tristan comes back with a rare Tristan good point and says, it doesn't matter how good you are, Kaiba just doesn't like you. <laughs> That's, I don't think they explicitly say that in the sub, but it's definitely the um, subtext of this part. Honestly, it's very funny because Tristan's like, yeah, he just doesn't like you. And Joey's like, I'm going to be, he basically is like, I'm going to go beat the shit out of him. And Tristan's like, that's exactly what Kaiba wants you to do. And there's this rare moment where Joey's like, you're right. Maybe I just don't even need to be involved in this Mm -hmm. tournament. And Yugi then sort of intervenes and says, or he doesn't intervene. He says, well, I know I have to do it. I actually have to be in this tournament. And Joey's like, oh, what's up? And very funny exchange in the dub. Yugi's like, oh, it's it's a long story. I can't get into it. And Joey's like, I got time. Like, I don't have anywhere to be. And Yugi's like, okay, um, there's like an ancient evil force threatening to destroy the world. And it's my destiny to solve it. And I literally wrote in my notes, that wasn't that long a story. It took you like a sentence to say. And Joey then immediately was like, that wasn't that long a story. And of course I'm going to join now to help you beat this evil <laughs> Wow, force. Joey's just like me for real. <laughs> Joey Wheeler relatable moments, the mouthpiece of the audience. But so now Joey's all in because he's like, okay, I got to help my buddy. It sounds like it's your destiny to fight Kaiba. I'm going to use this 
And he takes out red his eyes. red eyes black dragon and starts kissing and baby talking to it. He's like, mm, who's going to help me kick Kaiba's butt? Mm. And everybody gets like grossed out and is like, um, didn't this, like you had the black red eyes black dragon last time you dueled Kaiba and it didn't do shit. And he's like, fuck you. <laughs> okay, no, he's, he actually is not, doesn't get mad at all. He's like, you have a good point. I should probably work on my deck a bit more. Does, does the dub cut the, um, we get a flashback to what I, what I have written down in my notes. So, oh, is, oh, thank God, goodness, we got a flashback of Kaiba saying, you look good on your knees and calling Joey a loser dog. It was necessary to remind the viewers of that cursed moment. Okay, yes, we do get a flashback. I blocked that from my mind. It was just him going like, grovel on your knees like the dog you are. So yeah, we got a little, yeah. a little, um, pet play. <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah no i mean that's what it is um but then the thing about the red eyes is or yugi points out like well joey one thing you should be worried about is that in this tournament there's going to be an anti rule where you have to bet your rarest card so if you lose then your red eyes will be gone dangerous and joey's like um well then i guess i'm just gonna have to never lose one single time and then by the end of the tournament i'm gonna have lots of rare cards game plan successful he's a genius wow i'm obsessed yeah. with him so smart so something that came up last time and i forget i think we talked about this there was like a slight dub sub difference but at least in the dub um he was like oh part of the reason you lost the duel last time was that you were so thrown off by the dual disc technology oh uh, yeah we talked about how this it was a little awkward in the anime anime because in the manga they've been doing in like small duel arenas so he probably would be actually thrown off by like having a hologram system that wasn't in a box in the sub they were just like this dual disc will confuse you no reason given and in the dub yeah. they were like the holograms are so realistic that you can smell them <laughs> exactly so in this case i don't know i keep an ear out for whether or not they say if the, these monsters smell but yugi says you were thrown off by the dual disc so how about we go get a dual disc um, you can get a dual disc and then sign up for the tournament. Maybe you'll be able, just because you weren't invited, maybe you should, would be able to sign up. In the sub, it's just that you need a dual disc to enter the tournament. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So they find sort of the registration office slash shop. Joey and Tristan run off to start like looking at some cards and there's a quick Yugi Teya moment um, mm -hmm. where Yugi says, thank you for talking to Yami. I can't believe it's so weird that Yami used to be an Egyptian pharaoh. Like, that's so crazy. So clearly they talked about it. And, and Taya's like, why aren't you worried? Uh, yeah. What happened when the Millennium Puzzle got stolen and, like, there was that fire it could happen again? And Yugi says, okay, this is very funny. He's like, oh, well, I'm not too worried about that. I'm worried about, uh, in this tournament, the fact that we have to give our rarest card to the winner. Like, he's like, oh, <laughs> I'm not really worried about being in danger, but I am worried about losing my rare cards. <laughs> classic classic i don't want to lose my dark magician but the fate of the world depends on it so i guess i'll just play by whatever rules i have to <laughs> wow iconic that's so silly and dumb um in the sub they're still doing the thing where yami asked anzu don't tell my other self that we found out about the and that i'm the spirit of pharaoh thing they're still doing that in the sub so in this is um yugi's like oh um I'm surprised that you knew that there was a card shop here. And Anzu says, oh, yeah, well, it's because I this is where we went yesterday when I was hanging out with your other self. And he he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, thanks for that. He definitely seemed like he cheered up a bit. And then she's kind of prods him a little and is like, uh, what did the other Yugi tell you about like what we talked about? 
he says, oh, he just told me about the Battle City tournament announcement. But I do think it's kind of weird because normally other me would not accept an anti rule. Like he's not interested in trying to get more rare cards. Mm. I get the feeling that there's like something else that he's looking for that's motivating him to enter this tournament. And then Anzu's like, eventually he's going to figure it out. And that's kind of the end of the scene. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, well, I like that a lot. I like that. I mean, I think it's fine. I think it's nice that they established that Yugi and Yami have been talking about the Pharaoh stuff, but... I think that, yeah, I'm, I think that the, the line with him not telling him is really interesting to me. I mean, yeah. mostly because, like, I kind of forgot about this as being a plot point, and so I don't remember how it resolves. So that's fun for me, is that there's something I'm looking forward to finding out here, because I know this arc pretty well, but I forgot mm -hmm. about, like, this aspect of it, so... Well, with that emotional conversation out of the way, they sort of enter the shop and Yugi goes up to the shopkeeper or register man, it's kind of both, um, and says, oh, I'm here to enter the Battle City Tournament. So he's like, oh, what's your name? And he's like, Yugi Moto. Plugs him into his little computer and he's like, wow, you're a five-star duelist. And sure enough, he like turns the computer around. There's a picture of Yami Yugi, actually. And then just like five stars, kind of like they look like the, um, oh, what are they called? The, uh, the Starships. Yeah, starships from... So it's just like, you're a five-star duelist. Wow. I'm desperate to know in what context, at what point was this awkward driver's license-looking-ass photo of Yami, <laughs> not Yugi, <laughs> taken? Like I know, like, the blank background. I was like, when was there a chance for that? Where did this picture come from? It's so funny, because he looks super awkward. It's also just kind of badly drawn, like, the animation quality, but he just looks like, ugh, like, it's a thousand-guard stare. It's like, when did they take this photo? Absolutely agree. At this point, they say Kaiba Corp has been performing research on duelists around the world and, like, what tournaments they've competed in, what cards they use, and there's, like, this huge database, which everybody yeah. is kind of like, this seems a little unfair. It seems like Kaiba knows everything. But, and Yugi's even like, doesn't that give Kaiba an advantage? But the shopkeeper brings out the dual disc and everybody's like, wow, the dual disc! <laughs> and just, like, that doesn't get continued. I mean, they don't bring up the idea of it giving Kaiba an advantage in the sub, which I think that's reasonable because, I mean, theoretically... All of this, like, information that they're talking about Kaiba having is, like, public information, right? Like, these duels are mm -hmm. recorded somewhere. It's not like he was, I don't know, hacking into secret systems and violating privacy or anything like that. Anybody could theoretically have done this, but Kaiba did it, so... Fair enough. At least that's how I would see it. At this point, Joey comes next and he's like, oh, you know, I was second place in... Or, yeah, he was second place in Duel's Kingdom, but what's your computer say about me? It's plugged in, and sure enough, he's a one-star duelist, so it's his <laughs> lame-ass little photo. Um, also interesting, his photo is actually the clothes that he's wearing right now. Mm, they just clearly didn't think about it. I do think this is just animation laziness, but, I mean, in-universe, we can just say that, like, Joey had that outfit on. Yeah, he's a teenage boy, so he only has four shirts. It's fine. Exactly. Maybe they, maybe that picture was taken when they registered for, what was it, the... The regional tournament that Joey was, like, yeah. bragging about coming in, like, third place in the regionals. <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah. So he, and he is ranked as a one-star um, duelist, <laughs> which he's like, oh, you have to be three stars. Which I'm like, damn, Kaiba, that's, that's brutal. He's not a one-star duelist. <laughs> yeah, in the sub, he gives him two stars. <laughs> <laughs> Character differences. Oh, but it says, it says he's level two. It says he's a level two nobody oh my god that's so fucking brutal they react as though that was like specifically added in as like a comment in the database 
<laughs> and Joey's like, why does it say nobody? All right. Oh, oh, Kaiba. Joey, understandably, I think honestly, this is another episode where they like try to, the animation tries to make him look a little ridiculous, but I'm like, this is fair. Like, this is unfair. He's being, he's exactly anti Joey bias. But anyway, Joey starts throwing a tanty. Tristan's like restraining him, but the shopkeeper, who at this point was like a very nondescript guy, his like glasses do a little like twinge, and he's like, oh, this man has the uh, red eyes black dragon. My my master will be interested. Boop, 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 boop. And he like really quickly changes it to four stars. And mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. There was a computer glitch. You actually are uh, in the tournament. And here you can have a dual disc. Very funny Joey dub line where he's like, oh, I kept my cool. I knew it was a computer error. So that's how I was <laughs> able to stay calm under pressure. <laughs> oh, bless. And everyone's like, sure, fuck off. They all leave the shop and the shopkeeper is like, ring, ring, calls some mysterious hooded men and are like, hey, something interesting. Um, so at this point in the dub for the first time, he's like, oh, my sister Serenity's operation is tomorrow. And I told her that I'd stay at the hospital tonight. Runs off to go to the hospital. Uh, at this point, Tristan tells the other, Tristan's sort of like, man, I hope Joey's going to be okay. And they're all like, whoa, what, what about? And he's like, oh, well, I mean, obviously he's excited to see his sister, but Joey is going to be seeing his mom for the first time since she separated Joey and Serenity seven years ago. And they haven't spoken since. Yeah. Then the very funny moment where Tristan gets very passionate about it and is like, I will see the Wheeler family reunited. All of that is like exactly from the sub. There's no changes there. And I thought it was a delightful scene because first of all, I was like, whoa, Jinochi's mom. Like, that's really cool. We're going to get to see that. But then also just... Honda just being like, I'm going to mend their family bonds out of nowhere was really cute to me. It was just so random. It was. And then uh, I think Anzu does say like, oh, is that that whole thing where you have a thing for um, Shizuka? Which, again, we talked about this, like, in these first few times that they've mentioned it so far, the entire, I feel like the entire thing with um, Honda having a crush on Shizuka has the potential, is, like, still not making me mad and, like, has the potential to have been, like, a cute thing. But Mm -hmm. then I remember that it becomes, like, really bad. But at this point that it's at now, I'm still like, yeah, that seems like it could be kind of cute. It's like, oh, yeah, like, this could be fun. It just becomes so annoying. It'd be cute if, like, okay... Quick tangent. It would be cute if, like, they met for the first time and there was, like, a little mutual spark in between them and it was just, like, little puppy love and Joey was, like, funny weird about it and, like, everybody was just Mm -hmm. teasing them. Like, that would be fine. I don't have any problems with heteros. Like, it's fine. It can be (laughs) cute. The heteros are allowed. Serenity's good and deserves whoever she wants and if that's Tristan, that's fine. The whole problem is that, well, okay, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Also, sorry, this is like a bit unrelated, but the other day I was talking to a friend of mine about Yu-Gi-Oh ships and she said something like, who do people ship with um, Mokuba? And it just made me remember our genius brain realization that the ideal post-canon pairing is for Mokuba is that Mokuba and Shizuka would get together because even though they're not that far apart in age, like he's like 11 and she's 14. So like, later a little bit later in the post canon their ages are close enough 
That's like a totally normal gap, yeah. Um, but also it would be so fucking hilarious for how mad it would make Kaiba and Joey and they would have to get along because their beloved little siblings were dating. It would be so funny. And I want this. <laughs> and it'd be so hard because I think both of them would make it just a bare effort to not be total bitches about it. I also think it's funny because I know Joey genuinely likes Mokuba. And I, have, I don't think Seto is capable of actually really liking many people. But I think he would be like, you're fine to Serenity. He would not object to Shizuka. Yeah, like, she's nice. He would have no objection because she's just, like, a nice, normal girl. So it would just be so fucking funny because it's like, oh, yeah, who you're with is, like, not the problem. Actually, yeah. I guess Joey does kind of have problems with like, Mokuba since he did try to kill him once. But they got over <laughs> it. Like, Shizuka's nice. She's nice and she's, like, been through some shit. So she's willing to, like, stand up for what's right and stuff like that. So I think that, like, I think if she and Kaiba were, like, forced into a situation where they had to get along, like, they could get along. <laughs> oh my god. I'm I'm now remembering the one significant Serenity-Kaiba interaction and the fact that, which I think is actually genuinely a very interesting interaction, the fact that so many people... Not so many. Some people ship them because of it is deeply fucking hilarious to me. But that's several. That's far in the future. We've gone way off track. Yeah. What's happening now? Serenity's about to have an operation. We don't even know if she's gonna live. <laughs> God, imagine if this show was like, yeah, she's fucking dead. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> that was never even an. Uh, that was never even presented as an option. The drama was like, will it work? Like, will she go blind or will she yeah. be able to see? And you're like, what if she fucking died on the operating table? <laughs> Things go wrong sometimes Ellie <laughs> so true continue all right so as Joey's running to the hospital three guys show up and are like give us your red eyes black dragon they're robed men purple dark purple robes puts his new dual disc on and it says all right it's time to duel one of them steps up he's how do I describe him he's kind of like he's got like empty eyes he's very gaunt looking he's got like spiky he's white a guy he's just a generic punk villain guy. Generic punk. He kind of looks like Billy Idol, if you know who that is. I can kind of see it, actually. That was- I would never have thought that in a million years. But He's like Billy Idol if Billy Idol had only been drinking whiskey and smoking cigarettes as meals. If Billy Idol was a Yu-Gi-Oh character. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Joey's facing off against zombie Billy Idol. Quick cut to Serenity in the hospital, and she's like, I'm so I'm so scared of getting an eye operation, but I know that once Joey gets here, I'm going to feel better. Um, and there's a quick moment where actually, in the dub, his mom goes, oh, J Joseph's coming? And she, like, actually seems, like, really nervous. Joseph! <laughs> I know, I'm like, Joseph, that's forbidden. But also, I was like, I was very much prepped to be like, Joey's mom, biggest bitch in the show, how dare she, blah, 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 blah. But, like, I don't know, his mom's pretty... Uh, it was very interesting. I was very intrigued by this family dynamic. Also, I think I, it's fun that they have her call him Joseph because I think they're translating a similar, like, huh, moment that you have about the name because in the sub she's like, oh, Katsuya's going to be here. And then you're like, oh, I totally forgot that's his, forgot that that's his given name. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> only ever call him Jinochi. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I want to talk about Joey's family a bit more at the end of the episode once things resolve. Because Let's like, do that. Yeah. Because I have a lot to, I have some thoughts about this whole thing, but we need to be able to talk about the ending of it. All right. So they're dueling. Duel's pretty insignificant. There, a couple things to highlight in the duel. One, um, the new rules are applying. This is the first like duel between two characters we're seeing. Um, something that I was happy with is that even though Joey is kind of, he like stumbles a little bit, he doesn't actually get into too much trouble. Like he almost does things and then he'll be like, wait, I remember the new rules. So one of the first things he does is play one of my fucking favorite spell cards that I forgot Joey has, which is this thing called scapegoat, 
which summons like these four adorable little furry goats. Yeah, little goaties. Uh, and he also is like, oh, we get to see the sacrifice rule played in real time. So Joey's like, oh yeah, I forgot. I have to sacrifice things. So he uses the scapegoat called card all the time to both like make sure he his life points are safe and also they can be used for sacrifices. So that's something really useful. In the actual card game and also in the show, they specifically call out the fact that you can't use scapegoat tokens for, for tributing. Like he's like, Oh, I can't use them. Yeah. For that. Which you can't in the actual card as well. So they're they're not useful for sacrifices. Which is the opposite of what you just said. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, I misspoke. Yeah, sorry. I'm, I meant to say that he... Um, okay, <laughs> I believe you. He sacrificed scapegoat for attacking. Gotcha. But that's the doesn't matter. The point is we see him use the sacri- new sacrifice rule, um, especially to summon his red-eyes black dragon. Um, another thing is that the rare hunter um, has been playing incredibly defensively. Like, mm-hmm. is just discarding a bunch of cards. He's playing Graceful Charity multiple times, like draw, which is draw three cards, you get to discard two. And he's mm-hmm. just playing monsters in defense. So Joey's on the offensive. He hasn't really been able to do much damage, but uh, not yeah. much is happening. We get one more cut to Serenity that confirms that Joey is now late. It's kind of later at night, and, like, this duel she is clearly holding so up. She's so sad. I was like, no. Yeah, she's, like, really sad. It's, it's very sad. Joey had what, to me, felt like a kind of stupid moment in the sub where he was like, man, it's weird how this guy is just playing so defensively and he just seems to be, keep trying to draw more cards. Like, why would he be? And he's not even going on the offensive when he was the one who challenged me. Like, what's up with that? And then he's like, it's just because I'm just that good. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, you no. came so close. You came so close to figuring it out, Genochi. Uh, points for trying. In the dub, he doesn't even think about it. He's just like, mm, thinking about this. But sure enough, there actually was yeah. a strategy. I mean, he is, like, distracted in that this guy jumped him in an alleyway and he was trying to like, get get to his to, sister's. He's trying to get to yeah. his, the hospital to, serve, to be there for his sister's operation. So I cannot blame him for not putting his 100% into this duel, to be honest. Very valid. All right, well, we find out what the strategy was. The rare hunter was, unsur- unsurprisingly, you could probably guess, like, okay, he's trying to find some cards, maybe for a ritual summon, maybe for something special. Uh, it is something special. He summons Exodia the Forbidden One. So, yeah. automatic win. You know the kids watching this on TV would have been fucking like, gagging, their gagging fucking to see <laughs> Exodia suddenly show up. Because they don't even foreshadow it at all. He just pulls them and is like, boom, Exodia! And it's a rando. <laughs> it's just some guy. It's fucking got Billy Idol going like, oh yeah, Exodia the Forbidden One. Joey's even like, shouldn't that be at the bottom of the ocean? And he's like, hmm. Not only does he say that, but he says, oh, I have three complete sets of Exodia. We're rare hunters, so we search for rare cards. I live on the thrill of relieving players of their rarest cards, and that's how I was able to get Exodia pieces. Yeah. Also, fun real game fact, you're actually only allowed to have one set of Exodia um, mm. per deck, but he explicitly shows them off in his deck, implying that he has, like, three different yeah. sets, which would be busted. Well, because anyway. normally you can have um, three of any indi- one individual card. Yes, but not Exodia, for obvious reasons. A uh, very funny fucking scene in the dub where Joey's like, okay, I lost. Like, take my car. He's actually like, okay, take the Red-Eyes Black Dragon. Like, you won or whatever. And the Rare Hunters, like, kick him to the ground and are like, no, we want to beat you up first. <laughs> and they do. <laughs> in the sub, it's not like that. He actually is. They, he doesn't say, like, take my car. They kind of just go straight into beating him up. 
I thought it was fascinating in the dub. They were like, he literally is like, you can just take it. And they're like, no, we prefer, <laughs> the li- exact line is, we prefer to take it by force just to make them seem like total douches. Well, they are so valid, I guess. It cuts to the next morning and it's Joey's mom. She's pounding on Serenity's door at the hospital and it's like, Serenity, come out. We like need to do your operation. Serenity's like, I'm not going to have the operation until Joey gets here. Like I refuse to do the operation. And uh, Joey's mom is like, shit, who should I call? It's it's Yugi. He's in his little cute pajamas with the stars on them that we talked about during his Yugi last star pajamas. Answers the phone and is like, oh, hello. And he's like, oh, Mrs. Wheeler, who he's probably he's definitely never talked to. And he's like, um, hello. What? It cracked me up in the sub. He called her Janoti's mom, <laughs> like, which like you you would when you're a kid, but also she does have a name. <laughs> I think it's very very cute that like. So Joey and his mom haven't talked. So I was like, how does she know who to call? She, she probably either heard from Serenity or for somebody that like Joey's best friend is Yugi and is like the main point of contact. I'm sure that Serenity would have been able to tell her Joey's BFF in the world is Yugi and Yugi's family owns a game store. And then she could probably just like look up the store and like the yellow page, the the equivalent of the yellow pages or whatever because exactly but i just think it's very cute that obviously joey talked enough about yugi to leave an impression on serenity and then serenity was like telling her mom so joey's mom calls and is like um we haven't like joey didn't show up but this seems unlike him like do you know where he is and he's like i have no idea but we're gonna i'm gonna get my friends together and we're gonna figure it out we're gonna look at his usual spots <laughs> they sort of split up and are searching the city um okay is there a scene that's cut from the sub because literally the next scene is just Tristan riding up in his motorcycle going like I found him and like Joey's there and I was like are you for real this seems kind of random that's so what seriously yeah that's literally what happens that's cra- they didn't even try to edit around the scene that I'm guessing can I guess what happens then you'll yeah, tell me go ahead and guess. is there another scene where Tristan and Joey have a weird bro fight where they're like yes He's like, get yourself together. And they like punch each other a couple times. Yes, it's exactly that. That's exactly what happens. But I can't believe okay. they would just cut the entire thing instead of only cutting the part where Tristan punches him, which happens. Yuki and Taya meet up and are like, we couldn't find him. And then Tristan's like, rolls up with Joey in the back of his motorcycle. And like, with no context, is like, don't worry, I found him. We're heading straight to the hospital. And they just keep riding by. And I was like, where was he? What? That's like so <laughs> stupid. I let me tell the scene. Let me take over and tell the scene then, because it's actually like a good scene. Yeah, I mean, honestly, they usually are. So please do. Well, first of all, there is one thing that they that they do here, which I didn't like. This mm. they add in a line where Yugi's like. Jinochi's mom said that, like, Shizuka's refusing to have the operation, and if they don't do it now, they're never gonna do it because the surgeon has to, like, fly back to America tomorrow. And I think that's kind of stupid because I, it, it, like, I understand that it's a really scary thing and she's a kid, basically. I mean, she's 14, but it does kind of make Shizuka seem like, I feel like Shizuka would be, like, upset, but she would still do it. If they were like, this is literally your only chance to have this eye operation that we paid all this money for. Mm-hmm. You would do it even if your brother wasn't there, right? Like, if that's the only thing they could possibly. Like, I wish that they had just, yeah. I wish that it had been like, oh, if we don't find him now, he's not going to be there and she's going to be really upset. Not if we don't find him now, she's never going to have the operation at all. Like, that was silly to me. Yeah. But it was literally one line, so whatever. Like, I don't know. It just yeah. kind of, I was like, that just feels weird to me. <laughs> 
It was a little weird. I think they just, they're addicted to upping the stakes. So. Exactly. But it yeah. felt like unnecessary inflation of the stakes. Anyways, yeah. they go, they find him. He's like brooding on a beach. He still looks all beat up. Honda, there's a really funny shot of Honda literally like vaulting over the edge of the, um, because the beach is a little ways, you know, there's a road and then there's kind of a fence mm-hmm. and the beach is like a little ways down. But Honda yeah. literally just like vaults over the side and down onto the beach and comes screaming at him, which cracked me up. And um, he picks Joey up and is like, you know, what the hell are you doing? Joey's like, they stole my Red Eyes. Red Eyes was this super important card, and that was what brought me the victory that got me to win the money in the first place. So to him, this is subtext. He doesn't explicitly say this. But the way I read this is, like, to him, he's really upset about losing the Red Eyes because to him it, like, represents, like, what he was fighting for. And so he's like, Mm. I'm not a good brother if I lost Red Eyes. He actually says something in the dub later that I think kind of encapsulates what he views now. Well, anyway, I'll I'll get to it at the scene. Honda starts yelling at him and is like, Shizuka's refusing to have the surgery because you didn't show up. That does actually shock Jinochi. Like, he did not assume that Shizuka would, like, refuse to go through with it. He thought, like, I'm just going to not be there. Honda starts yelling at him and he says, hey... I like watching you and Yugi play your card games because I've seen you build bonds, stronger bonds with others through those cards. But now you're risking your bond with your only sister on a card. The card is not worth that much. There's no time. Stop being ridiculous. Like, get there. And he, like, punches him. But then after he, like, punches him, then Jinochi just, like, fucking crumples to the ground. And Honda's like, oh, shit, because he realizes, like, oh, he was already hurt because the rare hunters were beating him up. So then he's like, sorry, man. But they could have really easily cut the punch and kept the entire rest of the scene. Like, all he does is yell at him. Just the smacking scene is fine, yeah. I will say, okay... I'm still annoyed they cut that, but I think they actually slip sort of Joey's feelings a little later when he's talking to Serenity, if you if you don't mm-hmm. mind me segueing into that scene. Yeah. Because um, basically they get to the room. So Joey shows up. He actually talks to his mom first and is like, here, let me take care of this. Goes to the door and he's like, Serenity, can you open this so we can talk? And she's like, I don't understand you didn't show up. What happened? Like, I was so worried. And he says, I'm sorry, I've let you down. He explains what happened. He's like, I was cornered by these creeps and forced to duel. I lost my best card. I can't do anything right. I must be the worst brother in the world. Like, I can't protect my cards. I can't protect you. But I didn't mean to hurt you. And nothing can break the bond between us. And he says something very sweet where he's like, you're not just my sister. You're also my friend. And just like my friends, like, I, the love between us is, like, the most important thing. And, like, I want to be there for you. Yeah. So Rainy doesn't respond. She comes out and they just hug. Then there's also a cute moment where Joey, like, looks at his, like, as they're hug- he and Serenity are hugging, he's like, Mom, it's good to see you see you too. And she's like, I'm happy to see you as well. Yeah. So before the very end of this episode, it's time for Joey's family segue. Joey's <laughs> family tangent. Yeah, well, let me, let me, t- the sub-differences first. Okay, yeah, yeah. When he's, like, leaning against the door, we should note that it actually shows that, like, he's crying and tearing up. It's, it's a pretty good scene. But yeah, what he says in that one is, it's it's very similar, but what he says is, like, my brain went blank and I was only thinking about myself and my own feelings, but my friend came and found me, got it back into my head that no matter how bad the situation is, I can't forget about the people who need me. The most important thing is the bonds mm-hmm. that we share with others. And then he, when they have the, like, um, hug scene, he says, you've always got me with you and our mom, too. And then he kind of, like, looks at 
the mom. And then what I what I noticed was because so Shizuka comes out and hugs him, and this is we can segue into the family tangent. Mm-hmm. The mom is coming in, and for a second I was like, will it be the group hug? But instead, rather he like lets go of Shizuka, and then the mom hugs her. You can see him like looking over her shoulder looking over the top of her head like at his mom and I think that's actually like a very deliberate choice like I was reading that as like he's like I'm not gonna hug my mom and I it just it was a very sort of small animation detail that I thought was really interesting and then the scene is super small but it like says so many interesting things about this family relationship so go ahead and say what you want to say okay so like I have a lot of very mixed feelings about Joey's mom because like obviously like separating her kids like that this is all completely subjective like me None of this is ever confirmed by canon or really discussed. So from the little we've seen, not in this series, but in season zero and in the manga of Joey's dad, we know he is an abusive alcoholic. Like we know he's yes, an alcoholic. He's horrible. We know that he's abusive. He sucks in every way. Yeah. He's like sent the family into like gambling debts and everything. Yes. Just shitty gambling debts, all this kind of stuff. It's very understandable why Joey's mom would leave. Yes. The thing that is baffling, I think for everybody is like, why would you split your kids? Why would you leave a kid with him? Why would you split up? And, like, part of it is, like, I don't know how parental law or, like, child guardianship worked in, like, 1990s, early 2000s Japan. Part of me, I think there's, like, lots of things that you could, like, say of, like, she just sucks and she was closer to serenity and just didn't care. Maybe she took both kids that would have, like, started something legal. So she kind of had to make a sadistic choice of, like, I'm going to take the more vulnerable one. Part of me wonders if it was seven years ago, so Joey was still a kid, but you can still have, like... Because people are human too. And like, obviously this is incredibly fucked up. But part of me wonders if she misplaced some of her like dislike for her husband on Joey, especially if Joey started showing, which because we knew he was, he was a bit of an asshole, partially because of his environment. Um, Yeah. Uh But like his friendship with Yugi really helped him. But it's like, if he was starting to show similar behavior, she might have very unfairly sort of written him off as like a lost cause. And like, it's hard because seeing him in like a stable environment and seeing that it's like oh he actually like is a good person and it was like it was unfair of me when he was like nine to be like oh i'm gonna just leave him with his dad because he's gonna be a dick like his dad i can't help but wonder if she's kind of like fuck like i really fucked up there's so many things i wonder and it's like because part of me was like i was afraid that they would make her like so unrealistically hostile like make her a little like barrier or have her be like oh classic joey he's not showing up but she genuinely is very neutral slash seems kind of actually worried about him yeah she seems very awkward and taken aback by the idea that she's going to have to see him which was like really interesting to me also i just some very quick googling seems to indicate that it's actually like specifically the custody law in japan is very specifically one parent has to get the kids Period. Mm, interesting. There's no joint custody, no splitting or anything. Huh. So I think what we're getting at here is that Jinochi's parent situation is purely for the drama. And uh, I'm sure Kazuki Takahashi was like, let's not worry about it too much. This is more dramatic, <laughs> you know? But continue, sorry, with what you were saying. No, that's pretty much it. I mean, I think I was just saying, like, it's also, it's like, I have a lot of sympathy for people that are escaping, like, really abusive relationships, and I think they can act irrationally. It's mm-hmm. a huge bummer that a kid got lost and the yeah. became part of the crossfire. And it's like, this is just all, we have no idea. Like, this is, I mean, this person is fake, so it doesn't really matter. But it's like, it's just, the Wheeler family dynamics are, like, fascinating to yeah. me, even more so because it's like, what's going on there? 
I just, I really appreciate the fact that four kids didn't lean in. I think sometimes they can, like, very much oversimplify morality. I think it would have been really easy to have even just one line of the mom being like, oh, he's not showing up. Oh, he's unreliable, blah, blah, blah. But the whole time she's just very, like, you can tell she's so on edge just seeing him at all. But she's not like, oh, like, he's just like his dad or something like that. It was very, I don't know, much to think about. Yeah, because I can definitely see from the mom's perspective, I wonder if there may have been some kind of... Maybe there was some sort of agreement where it was like one of them have to get one of the kids. And um, she would just be like, oh, well, Genochi is older. And also, like, the son, you know, just kind of uh, expectations of, like, manliness. That, like, oh, he's going to be able to handle... Weird gender stuff. Yeah. Better, because he's the man, even though he was, like, an eight-year-old child. (laughs) But, you know, that's just the kind of thing that gets put on people, you know? Um, Mm Mm-hmm. And also because they said that she had, her eye problems were a thing, like, even when she was a little kid, right? It was like they knew about that even back then. So I'm sure that the mom was like, well, I have to be more protective of this child, like, because of that as well. And not just because she was younger and the girl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's rough. But yeah, I agree with you, Jenny, that this, in this episode, it's very subtle, but I like the way that this is. It feels like a realistically complicated, like, complicated Mm -hmm. family dynamic. Totally agree. That they don't actually get into, but it's just there. And I think that's kind of cool because, you know, people have complicated family dynamics. Like, it's kind of nice to see that in a show like this, even if it's really sort of backgrounded. It's, It's interesting. It's interesting how to... Let me put it this way. We have multiple examples in this show of, like complicated family dynamics in a way that's very uh, that's unrealistic and like heightened for like fantasy and drama like what's the stuff that's going on with kaiba and then also Mm -hmm. spoiler spoiler some of the stuff that's going to happen at the end of this season that's a fucked up family but it's in a way that's like wouldn't possibly this doesn't happen in real life right like it's it's but this is a more realistic fucked up family dynamic yeah this like that one's so like We'll get more in the filler arc of the Kaiba family dynamic as well. And, like, that's so heightened and bizarre and insane, plus the later season stuff, that it's, like, it's it's like, oh, this this is, like, normal. I feel like I know families like this, where there's also yeah, lots of that exactly. familial tension of they're still in your life and you have a lot of mixed feelings. It was very good. All right. But that's not yeah. quite the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one last scene, um, and that's Joey calling them. Um, he's still at the hospital, and they're kind of waiting at Yugi's house. He calls them the next day and is like, Serenity's operation was a success. She's going to yeah. be okay. Her eyes are fixed and everything went well. Um, everybody cheers. Um, and Yugi finally takes a second to be like, okay, now that Serenity's all right, um, who were those guys that dueled you and robbed you last night, basically? Mm-hmm. And Joey says, I don't know, but I'm going to get my card back. Um, and Yugi also, there's a moment where Yugi's like, I'm going to help out. Like, I'm not going to rest until Joey gets back his red eyes black dragon. And that is yeah. the official end of the episode. So you, that's really interesting. So Yugi says, like, I'm going to help him out and stuff. Yes, he does. Which Fascinating. So in the sub, Joey's like, let's talk about this later when they're on the phone. And then it shows Joey thinking about it. And he's like, I need to handle this myself. I'm not going to just put this on Yugi. Because I know that if I do, he's going to want to, like, get the red eyes back for me. And I, I don't want to you know, put too much burden on other people to do stuff for me. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Because yeah. I, my reaction was like, Genochi, what the fuck? You should tell him that they had it Exodia. <laughs> like, that's what I thought he was going to say. But maybe they will talk about that. I think that will probably come up next episode, but I guess we'll see. All right. 
Before we talk about how we felt about this episode more generally, are there any manga differences that you want to go over? Uh, Yeah, it's actually a pretty notable thing, although it's not like something we can talk about a lot because it's an... It's a thing that the anime added, which is the entire, like, Shizuka operations subplot and the appearance of Joey's mom and literally all of that is not in the manga. That's actually anime original, which is part of why I enjoyed it so much, because I was like, what is this? This is new to me. But um, Shizuka has already had her operation off page, if I remember correctly. But it's mm-hmm. basically, it's just, Jinochi is, like, coming home from... Uh, Yugi's place on the day of the tournament. Apparently they hung out like until the late evening comparing deck strategies at the game shop, which is cute. And then when he's going on the way back, it, that's when he's confronted and like beat up by the ghouls and like that's it. Like they, they pretty much added the entire operation thing to extend this episode, which is cool because I think it's pretty good. I mean, we just talked about how much we like it. So mm-hmm. I think that's a that was a really good choice on the anime writers' part. Um, also... Another tiny, this is not an important difference. It's literally just one line that I thought was really fucking funny. But when they're talking about how they need to get the dual discs, there's a panel where uh, Honda says, do you have the money to buy one? And Jinoji just says, no, but I don't know, I'll get it somehow with willpower. (laughs) (laughs) Me, whenever I have to make any purchase, like, I'll get money somehow with my willpower. Get a job. Oh, I really can't, but still. So minor differences, I mean, besides the big added subplot, which I think we've already discussed, I like a lot, actually. I think yeah. it, like, adds good stakes and is good. Like, normally... Okay, well, let's get into how I felt about this episode generally. Really liked it. Not as not as good as last episode, just because last episode was just, like, fucking nonstop hits. But this mm-hmm. one was really good. Yet again, very short duel. Got across what it needed to. Didn't make Joey seem like an idiot. Like, it's, like, reasonable idiotness. Yeah, totally. Anybody could make that mistake. And it's like, what was he supposed to do, kind of? I actually, I'm not usually a fan of like, oh, like, I have to rush somewhere and I'm late. Partially because when it started, I thought people would start blaming him and like the episode would be very like, Joey, you're so irresponsible. And I loved how everybody was like, oh my god, you got attacked? That sucks. Like, basically, no one was like, blaming him for getting beat up because i feel like most yeah. of the kind of things it's like wait let me explain and people are like no how dare you not be there for me and i love how serenity's like oh my god are you okay and then as soon as he gets there it's like okay things can go mm-hmm. that was such a relief that it made me like the episode even more <laughs> yeah because i had totally forgotten and i was like i feel like everybody just gives joey such a hard time that they're gonna be like joey you're so unreliable blah 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 and it was so good to have people be like oh my god yeah you're, you're right it's good that they didn't turn it into kind of a a misunderstanding plot and instead had oh joey is making the mistake of Mm -hmm. not wanting to be there but also there is some sort of there is a bit of miscommunication there where they make it pretty obvious that he is surprised that she's like refusing to have the operation without him exactly yeah i think it's a that you're right that the mistakes that he makes in this episode are realistic mistakes by that, I mean both the mistake and the, the mistakes he makes in playing in the duel and strategy and also in, you know, like the relationship slash emotional mistake of not Absolutely. wanting to be there for the operation and stuff. Yeah, I think it's a, yeah. it's a really good, I agree with you, really good, some fun comedy stuff at the beginning with him not being in the, the dual disc database. Mm-hmm. And the actual duel itself, we barely talked about it, but it is really fucking cool that they brought back Exodia like that. Because it's a really fun um, escalation of 
uh, things that we faced before, you know, a pretty common narrative. It's, it's kind of like in, you know, in a video game or whatever, where you've advanced so far and then you go back to one of the earlier areas and it's like, remember how just one of these, you know, level yeah. 10 monsters was such a horrible threat when you just started and now you have to fight three of them at once? It's the, the setting up the idea that, like, this is the lackey of the villain and he this guy's got a freaking exodia deck which was like so powerful in yugi's hands that we had to throw it into the ocean but now we're i mean it's pretty obvious that like eventually something's something you can guess that like yugi will probably have to fight this exodia deck guy or something like that and that we'll have to Mm -hmm. do that so i think it's it's very cool to bring back exodia because it was never you mentioned that like in the dub they have joey going like wasn't that thrown into the ocean it's it's made clear in the sub, there wasn't just one of each. The Exodia cards are ones that you can, like, pull in a regular pack. They're just mm-hmm. super, super rare. It's not like the Blue Eyes, where the ones that Kaiba has are the only three. It's, there would be other people out there who have pieces of Exodia. Yeah, and it's like, what can, the whole thing is that, unlike, it's not like the Blue Eyes or Dragon, where it's like, it's a really strong monster. It's like, how are you, he's on, it, it's a, a different immediate strategy. game ender. So, like, what's happening? It'll be interesting to see. Makes me look forward to. I also think, before we wrap up the our episode, I feel like we should keep track. Yet again, still no duds. Really, not just solid, but like really good episodes. All bangers so far. We still haven't had a bad one this season. I feel like our standards are so high that we'll see an episode that like last season would have been like, yeah, this was okay. We'll be like, this is the first dud. And then we'll like look back and be like, that wasn't actually that bad. It's just they've all been so good so far. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so far, well, we're going to start getting into actual episodes where it's like, this is two episodes for one duel. Uh, whereas these first six episodes of this season have so far been ones that had no duel ones that had a really short duel or like the first two with the possessed bandit keith where like there was a duel that took two episodes but there was so much like setup and other stuff happening that it didn't really feel like it and the duel was just not the focus Mm -hmm. so once we start getting into the episodes where this is a duel that lasts for three episodes then i think that's when we're gonna start feeling some some of the duds i think but we'll see All right. Well, looking forward to next episode. Let's see if Battle City really does finally begin. I think this kind of was the first episode of Battle City in many ways because it was a Battle City duel. Like, we lost a good rare card. I mean, it was without fanfare because the focus was on Serenity. But now that I think about it, it was the first Battle City duel. So, yay! All right. Well, tune in next week to see if they'll get the Red-Eyes Black Dragon back. How will they defeat Exodia? Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to Battle City Broads. If you have any comments, you can contact us at Battle City Broad on Twitter without the S or by emailing us at battlecitybroads at gmail.com.